Welcome to the True Spirituality with Ange podcast. I'm here to bring you a version of spirituality that will uplift you, inspire you, and make you feel good. Your belief system does not matter. Everyone is welcome. And along the way, I hope I will help you to build your own spiritual blueprint that will make you feel 100% good about yourself. This is what I have done for myself, thanks to my intuition. So come along for the ride and let's light up the world. You don't need to be religious or even to believe in God. This is an inclusive and diverse space. Let's do this. Get started. I'm really happy to welcome our guests uh, this month, uh, Eleanor McDonald. Um, can you tell me, Eleanor, uh, how would you describe the work that you do? Or do you have a title that you'd like me to mention um, before we get started with the interview? Yes, thank you, Ange, for having me on your podcast. I'm really excited to talk about all these topics of love. Um, so I would say my title, my working title would be Intuitive Love Coach and Women's Empowerment Teacher. And uh, we'll talk more about why I like those top those titles specifically. Okay, that's wonderful. Um, I was quite attracted with the intuitive part of uh, your love coaching because I don't think I've come across someone who talks about this in your industry just yet. There might be some, but I haven't come across anyone. And for me, I'm intrigued as well because I know my intuition played a huge role in my love life, but it's also been shut down by some people <laughs> who have louder voices than me <laughs> uh, who might have done some a bit of love bombing but we'll we'll get to that really yeah. soon I'm sure <laughs> so um I'm I'm suppose I want to mention that I feel that you bring a bit of spiritual a spiritual spin to the world of dating what led you to do this and what led you to do what you do today yeah that's a great question so uh, my upbringing was my parents were practicing Tibetan Buddhists. And so I grew up with people talking about enlightenment and meditation, compassion and all of these topics. And it wasn't unusual for me to, you know, listen in as a child on conversations about past lives and all kinds of spiritual topics. The interesting part, or I guess the conflict in my life was because my parents were very unhappy in their marriage and my household was very volatile emotionally. This led me to completely reject Buddhism outright. I, I didn't want to be like my parents. I wasn't interested in that topic because of the conflict in my household. And so my friends and I, who also had Buddhist parents, we started exploring new age spirituality, as we called it back then, um, as little kids. So we were, you know, getting into crystals and spirit guides and psychic readings and all of these type of things. So while my parents were meditating and talking about Buddhism, I was like, ah, I'm not interested in that. And so I would go, you know, we would go and do little like card readings and things like that. And, and that's how I got interested in the topic of spirituality. So I've really been studying different forms of spirituality since I was a teenager and I'm almost 50. So <laughs> it's been a quite a long journey. Um, so this led me to become a Reiki teacher 
and to get into holistic nutrition. I became a nutritionist. So I was very interested in the body and energy and different spiritual things like that. And so over time, I combined those different practices to offer uh, really like a mind, body, spirit um, kind of coaching and healing services. And the interesting thing was the women I worked with, they would, you know, come to me for some kind of a health problem or something that they wanted to work on energetically. And then the topic would always inevitably turn to love. <laughs> and they would say, but what about my love life? And I, I can't seem to find a healthy relationship or I'm having all of these issues in love and relationships. And so it really found me in a way. Uh, but at the same time, I was going through my own journey with I was also in unhealthy relationships. And I didn't feel like I was really an expert at that point, you know, in the in the early two, 2000s. And so it wasn't until I was able to overcome my own patterns of, you know, choosing the type of people where it was an unhealthy relationship um, until I met my husband in 2018. And then I realized, well, this is really what I'm supposed to do because it was like my Shiro's journey really of love, you know, and finding healthy love, finding myself. And so in 2018, I thought, okay, I'm finally ready to do this and say that I want to focus on love. And that's where the intuitive love coaching came in. So I don't know if that makes sense to you. It, it does, because funny enough, when I started off, um, I, I trained in Reiki as well. So I'm loving listening to what you're saying. And I, I had a phase where I went to, you know, for tarot readings and the crystals things and all that stuff. I didn't have Buddhist parents. They were Catholic. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but I do have actually quite, um, and I was saying that in last week's episode, um, my, the, the spiritual teacher that I admire the most is called Thich Nhat Hanh. He was a Vietnamese Buddhist. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, but I can understand that sometimes people say they practice a certain form of religion, philosophy, spirituality, and there can be a dissonance. And that's what mm -hmm. I felt maybe that happened to you with your parents. Not that I want to dig into that because it's not my my job to do that. Yeah. Um, just like I met so many Catholics in my life because I come from France and Paris where I was brought up in a Catholic environment. All my parents' friends were Catholics. They were Catholics themselves. My mom was more of an atheist, but she kind of funnily enough espoused some of the Catholic philosophy without realizing that she had because religion has a way to seep into culture, especially if it's attached or associated with the main culture of the country, basically, or the dominant culture, to mm -hmm. put it this way. And so I, I had an opportunity to see many Catholics who I considered a little, I'm not saying this is, was your parents, I'm just sharing my own experience, yeah. felt quite hypocrite, um, hypocritical because they did one thing and they said another and the two didn't match. So yeah. um, kind of what you I shared actually, made me smile. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to add more a little more if I could to that. Um, of course. So the name of my business is Truly Eleanor, and uh, it's exactly what you were talking about, the the feeling of the inauthenticity, I guess, and the hypocritical nature of not my parents, you know, specifically, they, they had their issues. I would say it was overall the dissonance I was seeing, 
like you were saying, is people were saying one thing and doing another, and it didn't feel authentic. It didn't feel like it was coming from a space of uh, realness, I guess you can call it. And so that's really been my journey of trying to find my own authenticity, trying to help women find themselves, their true self. And that's always been since the beginning, what I've talked about, and it's focused on love, but it's really about those other things that you were saying. So finding your true self really means that's, that's how I would say you would find true love is finding your true self first. That's the part of the journey. It makes a lot of sense, even though it's not common sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. in a way, uh, and I, I was raised that way to think that someone else was going to complete me or mm -hmm. fix me or mm -hmm. make me feel loved. And, and sadly, my firsthand experience showed me that that didn't work like that at all. Yes. So I, I love that your business called Truly Enelor and we're on the True Spirituality Podcast. In fact, I hadn't realized how aligned <laughs> yeah. that, that felt until now. Yeah. Sorry, I'm a bit slow on that one. Um, <laughs> the most obvious things are, you know, hard to put together. Yeah, sometimes we miss the obvious. Um, so did you do anything before you did that apart from the Reiki or did you just mm -hmm. launch right into it? The first thing I did was the uh, working with uh, youth at risk and street kids. So my first career was as a youth care counselor. And it's I really felt compelled to help in some way um, because of the, the neighborhood I grew up in was very uh, violent and rough with a lot of gang members and things. It was just a very uh, scary neighborhood. And I knew from a young age that I wanted to help in some way. And I think this is where, you know, my parents um, and their practices and philosophies, I did pick up on one thing. I wanted to be of service in some way. And so my first, um, you know, my first instinct was, uh, well, I'll be a youth care counselor. I'll help youth because I had so many issues growing up. And so that became my first career. And uh, I did that for 12 years. So it was... Um, quite an involved career, but I felt the calling for the deeper spiritual, um, I don't know, know the word, but it was, it was like a calling where I was like, I want to do more. And there's something that I'm not doing right now that I can't really do in that, um, you know, in social services. And so that's when I moved on to the spiritual things mm -hmm. like Reiki and nutrition. Beautiful, but I do I do find that sometimes when we branch out quite radically, we still bring a lot of wisdom from what we've mm -hmm. been through and what we've done in previous careers. So that's why I wanted to ask, and I hope you don't mind um, no, what no, you no, did no. before that. Yeah. What brought us um, to consider you being on the podcast was the episode I did on twin flames and soulmates, and I mm -hmm. think you have quite a lot that you want to share about <laughs> the topic. So do you want to dive in? <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah the the twin flames documentary specifically i'm not sure what it's called exactly but it's um i think it was escaping twin flames if i remember yeah, right. escaping yeah. Twin flames yeah that disturbed me greatly because of the, so i've been doing this since around 2007 was when i really uh seriously got into this and it was disturbing to actually watch that this was going on. I think it started around 2008. So the same time that I was helping women to 
find themselves and to be empowered and all of these things. There was another thing going on at the same time where people were being disempowered. And the most disturbing thing I found was the idea of finding your twin flame um, and having a very kind of elitist spiritual uh, tone to it um, because the way it was described to me when I was learning about different spiritual topics was that twin, you know, finding your twin flame can only happen if you're at your most uh, pristine, energetic, highest, best of the best of the best of yourself. And don't even think about trying to find a twin flame unless you are at your utmost best. It's, it's almost like being in the spiritual Olympics. And um, it's not available to someone unless you are, you know, at your at your best of the best. And so what happens is, um, you know, I got caught up in this as well in my early years where I was like, I want to find the deepest, most intimate, most spiritual, enlightened connection that I could possibly have. And uh, it was like a striving. It's almost like you start chasing after that. And the, the more you don't find it, because inevitably it's very difficult to find that, the, the more time it takes you to find that person or to find the twin flame, the, the worse you feel about yourself, the more you doubt yourself, the more uncertain you become, the more, the further away from your true self and your, your core essence you you. Um, you stray so far from yourself that you pretty much lose yourself. Uh, so watching this documentary was very disturbing in that sense because it it was uh, using those same uh, manipulative tactics where it was telling people if you aren't doing this, you know, perfect kind of thing, if you aren't constantly working on yourself, if you aren't healing every single thing, if you aren't, you know at your perfect spiritual self, you're not going to find this person. Um, so that's why I feel so passionate about it as people being manipulated into thinking that they can't have love unless they're doing all of these things or they have to be perfect or perfectly healed or a certain way to have love. And so that is really what sets me off on that topic. Is it okay to ask you a question? Um, yeah. I wondered, did you know about it when you started your practice or were you aware of it because of the, the documentary? Because it almost felt like you, and I, I might have misread this, that you found out about it at the same time that you started having all these clients coming to you. Or is this just a timeline that's similar and you were made of it, made aware of it more recently? I start, I wanted to find love early on. So since I was very, you know, as a teenager in my early 20s, I wanted this kind of very, um, it had a lot of a fantasy sort of um, feel to it. Like the, you know, fairy tale. That's the word I'm looking for. Fairy tale love where it's just this amazing, exalted spiritual experience. And this might have come from, you know, listening in on topics with my parents again it's not what they were saying to me specifically but I must have picked up on this idea of like I want this fairy tale romance or you know relationship and when I started looking into it and exploring spirituality I found a lot of the 
you know, the videos and things around twin flames. And so I started to actually believe some of those things that people were saying. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that I was caught up in that same um, fantasy type of feeling that this twin flame movement had. Okay. I didn't know, I didn't go into that. I didn't join that twin flame thing, whatever they were doing. But I could have easily, easily been manipulated into that because I was very much on that same track of being easily influenced by that type of um, narrative. Because it's very seductive if you think about yeah. it. And at the same time, they're making you feel that you're superior to others. If you, you know, it speaks to the ego, actually, without yeah. saying it, it's um, and, and we all have an ego. We all like yeah. to be flattered and we all like to think that we can become perfect. Yeah. Um, and I didn't have a sense of self at the time. That was my biggest issues. I didn't have a sense of self. And so I needed that, like you were saying earlier, but, you know, feeling complete with a relationship and so because I was so um fractured in my sense of self that was very seductive in like oh this is going to be what fixes me or what makes me feel whole or what fills that sense of um whatever's missing and so that's how I you know this is what I'm hoping to help women avoid is that trap hmm no, that sounds like, and and I'm glad that you didn't get caught in that in that trap yourself. Mm -hmm. um, so, what would you say to someone who is aspiring to an elevated type of relationship? Let's not say perfect, but elevated, because it is true that you can approach relationship in different ways. It can be very mundane. It can be almost unconscious that you walk mm -hmm. into something and then everything plays up all your old records everything's thrown <laughs> into it completely yeah. dysfunctional or there can be something healthier I suppose without you know going into the oh my relationship is so spiritual uh, <laughs> how do you find what what have you found that can be helpful when you do have these aspirations but you don't want to get trapped by your own ego in a way that's and then of course if you get trapped in your ego other people can then also lure you into dangerous territories I suppose mm -hmm. yeah so it's not you don't have to get rid of the ego but it's about going deeper into what it is that you truly desire and I know a lot of people you know this is a sort of a surface level thing that a lot of people, the buzzwords that say, you know, what are your desires, et cetera. But I'm talking about going deeper into your inner self. So your, you know, your intuition, your heart, beyond the ego, the ego is welcome to come along for the ride, but you're not allowing the ego to lead you in different directions. So it's about finding out who you are, to the best of your ability. It's always a process. It's always a work in progress. Um, finding yourself as much as you can and then saying, what do I want? How do I want to live my life? And how do I want to feel with another person? And what is my vision for this? So for example, for me, after many years, I realized I needed a harmonious and stable relationship. To me, that meant a spiritual connection to somebody was harmony and stability. And that was based on, you know, what I didn't have as a child 
and what I needed as a soul as a very deep connection. Um, so it's different for everyone. That's really the process of finding what is going to be my spiritual relationship is finding out who I really am and what is going to be a match for me and who is going to be able to show up in that way for me. And so it's a, it's a self-discovery process and it's also a trial and error. Okay. Okay. I found um, when I was looking into it, especially at the start, um, that the law of attraction is really interesting in that respect. I don't know if that's something that you also uh, weave into into your coaching practice because uh, well yeah just let me know I'm curious uh, not specifically but it's I mean in terms of manifestation what I believe is again going into the your core of who you really are so meaning your your energy you can call it your inner self your higher self whatever you want to call it um, the deepest part of you that knows the answer and your heart and once you've connected to those spaces, you're going to be clear on clearer on who you want, want and what you're looking for. And that becomes magnetic. So in that way, that is part of the law of attraction. The more you can connect to your deeper self and um, the word is kind of like express yourself authentically out into the world, that becomes a very magnetic kind of energy. And so in that way, that is what will bring someone like that who you're looking for into your space. So that's how I would look at the law of attraction. I don't specifically call it that. I guess it's more like manifestation, but. Mm, okay. And in a way, I think you've highlighted something that um, resonated with me in the sense that I think that a lot of time when people are dating they're into the people pleasing kind of energy mm -hmm. um because they want that approval or they need that approval and actually that can set the start of the relationship on a on a basis that's not actually that healthy um and and pave the way for some disappointment or drama later on so what would you what would be your tip on to how to stay authentic at the start of a relationship to yourself and not lose yourself because it's also very easy to lose yourself in a relationship or in a marriage or and it happens usually gradually so yeah so it starts you know, before you find someone, the, the work starts before you're, uh, so before and during, you know, your search uh, for love, the before part would be um, finding out more about yourself. So a lot of times, you know, women will, women and men, but I work with women mostly, will want to look outside of themselves. So they'll be who, you know, what kind of characteristics do I want in a person? You know, what am I looking for? And it's all this outward focus. And so that that's what will completely throw you off is if you're outwardly focused, it, visually, you can think of it as you're almost like popping out of your body and you're, you know, looking around at everybody else instead of looking from within out at the world. Um, so if you can visually think of it that way, how much am I outwardly focused and almost out of my body and out of my own experience? You wanna make sure that you're always in your body, in your heart, looking from within out at the world 
And that will give you more clarity on, you know, how you feel when you're with somebody. So in terms of losing yourself or picking the wrong person, because I work with women to help them to stop picking the wrong person, which is what I was doing continuously over the years, because I was so empathic and I was so tuned into other people that I would almost put myself in a, another person's shoes to the point where I was looking at myself through them. And that's how you lose yourself. You're completely uh, within the other person saying, I'm so empathic. I know how they feel. I can anticipate what they want. This is all the people pleasing stuff as well. And so focused on how to, uh, you know, how can I get them to like me, et cetera. You're completely out of your own experience at that point. And the way you can tell some of the telltale signs are anxiety, feeling very uncertain around the person, feeling confused, conflicted, um, not clear. These are all signs that you're completely out of your body. You're out of your own um, energetic experience. So to start a practice in the way that you want to find someone who's going to be this, you know, spiritual, beautiful uh, relationship is to always make sure that you are looking at yourself from within. And there can be different practices, daily practices of journaling and asking yourself, how am I feeling today? What am I looking for? How do I want to feel? And asking yourself these kinds of questions. When you're on the date, tuning into your body, how am I feeling right now? What am I picking up on in within myself? And always going back to who you are. And um, I'm not sure if this is making sense. I don't want to talk too much about this, but um, it's about being within yourself. And that's how you find someone. We It's kind of counterintuitive because when we want to look for someone else, we're like so focused on the other person, but it's the other way around. We want to know from within ourselves what we're looking for. It actually makes a lot of sense, um, mm -hmm. especially if you're sensitive because mm -hmm. you're going to be focused on the other person rather than yourself. Yes. So no, I find what you just said incredibly helpful and refreshing in a way, because I don't think I've heard it before from a relationship coach. So, I mean, uh -huh. I haven't talked to tons of them either, but <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so just a small pause to mention something quite exciting that's happening right now. I have created a quiz. And I was wondering if you'd like to take it. So in order to do that, um, I will be adding a link in the show notes to sign up for my newsletter, which means that you'll receive my newsing, some offers, and um, then you'll make sure that you'll know what kind of content I put up because I'm also an author with um, the Taoist Online on Medium. So the quiz. Um, I work with a framework with my one-to-one -one client called the EPIC framework. And this framework enables you to um, establish the foundations of your success. Most people don't reach their full potential because these four um, pillars are not in place. And these pillars for me are energy, prosperity, intuition, and mindset. So if one of these pillars is not rock solid, uh, when you reach a certain level of success, 
you will be uh, probably sabotaging yourself. So this is what it can look like. Um, you know, you, you've just had a promotion or your business is doing really well. Your relationship is amazing. Um, you love your life, but then you get very sick. Perhaps because you don't have time to rest, you're constantly on the go, etc. So that's the energy pillar. The prosperity pillar surprises me often, but it can happen for people who are actually really um, successful. Um, their money's coming in beautifully, but then whenever they reach a level that goes above what they're comfortable with with money, and this can be an unconscious thing, a huge bill comes in or something breaks down or and it almost seems like whenever they have this big big pot of money coming in, it's immediately used for something else. That's when your prosperity pillar needs working on. Um, intuition is more likely to be about um, a little bit about the law of attraction as well. It's, it's around uh, being able to make decisions in an easy to get in the flow of life and also um, to start understanding that it's not all down to you, that the universe actually co-creates with you. And the last one, mindset, uh, I'm not going to go too much into it because I don't want this interruption to be too long, but um, you can see how these four pillars are absolutely vital if you want to reach your ne next level of success without having to sacrifice your health, your relationships, or even your sanity. So um, make sure you sign up for my newsletter. You will receive um, the quiz as a PDF, and I'd love to know which of the four pillars needs more work for you. So feel free also to reach out. Uh, the best way to do that is on Facebook or LinkedIn. Uh, I'm Ange de Lumière on both, and I'd love to hear from you. So how can you make sure that you're not disconnected? So you said, you know, come back to the body and make sure you focus on what you feel and how um, this is uh, unfolding for you. Mm -hmm. Do you have any other suggestion? Because yeah. sometimes people are so vocal that they almost can overpower your own and then you focus on them because they draw you out of yourself. Like you were saying that some people do that naturally it's because they're empathic, but that can be also the other person that is overpowering you. Yes. Um, so even the experience of being overpowered is um, two things. It's not being fully in your body. Uh, and this is not meant to make anyone feel bad about being, I've been overpowered, feel overpowered many times in my life, but I'm just saying the the mechanism of it is the feeling of being overwhelmed by other people's emotions is being um, somewhat off center. So a lot of what I talk about is grounding techniques of some kind. So how can I feel in my body? Um, there's lots of techniques like um, just having your hands on your legs to feel in your body. Um, you can visualize roots growing through your feet into the earth. You can um, mentally tell yourself, I am here now. Like These are all very simple techniques to keep yourself in the moment and in your body. And when you start to feel that overpowered feeling of emotion, you can also visualize all of that energy is just washing over you. So the person may be, uh, say, projecting a lot of presence or emotion or they're really in your face. You can visualize that this energy is just washing over you and you are a steady presence within your body and within the earth. 
these are all things to do in the moment. The preparation beforehand is also very important. You can start with intentions. Say you're going on a date. Your intentions can be, I intend to stay in the moment. I intend to stay in my body. I intend to have fun during this date. I intend to, you know, stay connected to my true self. All of these intentions are very powerful, energetic uh, directives to your body, to your heart that, okay, we're going to stay within ourselves. We're going to stay focused. We're going to also have fun. We want to get to know this person, but we also want to stay within ourselves. So that's the preparation beforehand. And then some of the tips I was saying is during the date. And then the afterwards would be if you feel thrown off, say somebody has just been coming at you with a lot of energy or emotions that they're very big personality. When you go home, you can do something to get yourself back to you. So whether you use uh, crystals or even having a shower um, to, you know, get yourself back in your body, going for a walk in nature, any of these things will get you back to yourself and then spending some time reflecting uh, about the date. So you can journal and say, okay, how did I feel during the date? This is the most important thing. How did I feel in my body and in general uh, during the date? Not about the other person. That's pulling yourself out of your body. You don't want to ask yourself, how do I feel about the person? You want to say, how do I feel within my body when I'm with this person? That's a very wow. important that is that is yeah that is very powerful I can imagine I can already see it even mm -hmm. though I've never tried that um yeah. wow I'm really impressed about this thing and I love how you keep talking about the body because for me being an intuitive I know that my intuition comes through my body and if I ignore the signs or what I feel in my body and I've done yeah. that in on dates and it's ended up <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, pretty bad so is that the the pattern that you were into when you said you kept manifesting the same person again and again or the wrong person yes um so I had something that was missing within myself so the connection to myself the relationship with myself uh just energetically spiritually and physically I was out of my body um so there's many reasons that we can become like that. Um, it can be, you know, abuse or being made wrong in your life or whatever. It could be physical health issues. There's a lot of reasons why we will not want to be in our body. And so the work really is the, you know, the healing. We don't have to be perfectly healed to find love. But the healing work to give yourself a good foundation is to figure out these, you know, answers to these questions. Why am I not? comfortable in my body or what am I feeling when I actually get into my body and working through that being more comfortable in your physical body also being comfortable opening your heart feeling uh, I was very disconnected from my emotions I didn't want to feel my emotions so I had numbed myself out so my work of healing and self-discovery was to actually allow myself to feel, allow the energy to move through my body of emotion and to be present with that. Uh, so all of this kind of work beforehand is what will help you be fully present and able to clearly feel and sense your intuition and how you're feeling around certain people to know 
like, oh, this feels really good. I like this person or to be like, oh, I feel, I feel icky around this person. Thank you for sharing that. That's mm -hmm. um, so I love that you said that you don't need to be healed to find love because mm -hmm. there is also this myth, um, even though we, we don't have to talk about twin flames anymore, but mm -hmm. there's people who literally rush from one relationship to another yeah. and can't be alone for mm -hmm. any period of time. And then there's other people who say, you have to wait one month per year of the relationship you've been in or whatever it is I've got, until you can date again. What's, what's your take on that? What, what, how can we know if we're ready? Um, because if we're not, I suppose, and I'm not sure that that's the answer you're going to give me, but I suppose if we're not ready, then we're kind of, it's a bit of a recipe for disaster. So we want to weigh the pros and cons. Yeah. So... I would say the best way to know you're ready is if you, you have to kind of try things out. So some, you know, clarity doesn't really come from sitting around contemplating things. That's another thing I learned is you can do all kinds of inner work and healing and get stuck in the, <laughs> that cycle and absolutely never talk to anyone or go on any dates or do anything. And that is also a recipe for disaster because we're not going to really know certain answers until we go and interact with people until our energy is out among the people, you know? So I would say you're not going to a hundred percent know with certainty until you try it out. Mm -hmm. You know, that that's probably one of the biggest blocks I've seen is not being willing to try. You, you know, you have to be, okay with being uncertain like I'm not exactly sure if I'm ready for a relationship so I'm never going to go talk to anyone or go anywhere <laughs> you know you've got to try it out and when you go on a date or say you even go to a networking event or a singles event or just putting yourself out there in the world then you can gauge how do I feel doing this do I feel like I want to go back home and just really uh, you know, spend some time with my heart and let go of some of these things from my past relationship, you're going to know when you interact, but you're not going to really 100% have any certainty. It's all kind of trial and error. Oh, I like that. I like that from what I've heard from you, and um, please correct me if I got it wrong, is that you're encouraging movement, mm -hmm. awareness, but also accepting that there's never going to be a hundred percent clarity on whether you're ready or not. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the biggest, really my three pillars of philosophy, I guess, of what I do is awareness, acceptance, and connection. Wow. That's, those are the key things that I have learned over my own journey and working with other people is, you have to have the awareness and the clarity to start off with. If you're going in blind, it's going to be very difficult to uh, find what you want and to have what you're looking for if you don't have that awareness. But secondly, once you get the awareness, you can't beat yourself up and say, oh, look at all this awareness. Now I'm going to beat myself with this awareness. So the second part is really important. You've got to have that acceptance of yourself 
and also acceptance of other people. Sometimes we, you know, chase after things and we want somebody and we think that, oh, this person is going to complete me or whatever. So we get attached to them and we're wanting them to love us and all these things go on. So we have to also get to that point of accepting that person is not the right person for me. So there's different layers of acceptance. And then the connection is really being more and more connected to your authentic self and going out and creating connections, healthy connections with others. Mm. No, that's really interesting. I have two more questions for you. <laughs> that's wrong. I mean, the more you talk, the more questions I have. I'm sorry. Yeah, absolutely. No, so is- in, in your experience, um, you have you have a lot of experience with a lot of clients, etc. Mm-hmm. What what would you say is the best way to meet someone's uh, you know significant other, online or offline? Because there's a big debate there. Yeah. <laughs> and do you have an opinion, or do you, or do you also mm-hmm. have you know data? I suppose I don't know, or both. Yeah. Um. So it all comes down to not avoiding either one. So I would say a combination of both. A lot of people will say, you know, dating apps are a waste of time and get really upset about it. And I would say the best thing to do is get to a neutral space because it's not the dating app that we're so against and that people are, you know, up in arms about. It's the experience of what happens on the dating apps. And so there's a lot of things you can do to counteract that or to ensure that you're going to meet quality people. There's a lot of things you can do to prepare for that and to, you know, um, make sure you're meeting the best people that you can. So I don't find anything wrong with dating apps per se. It's just the way we approach them. Um, And also, I feel like it's very important to get out in the world and interact in person. So I think it's a a healthy combination of the two. Um, I I would say that it can be problematic if someone says, I'm not doing online dating apps. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just going to go and meet someone organically. And usually what someone is saying when they say that is, underneath they're they're not able to fully go for it and because you know when you're on a dating app there's people on there most people unless they're fake accounts or whatever these other crazy things going on that they're looking for love so it's a pool of people who are wanting the same things as you in a general sense if you're out in the world it's almost like a Hollywood movie where you're waiting for your meet cute, where you're going to bump into someone and spill your coffee on them. And then they're going to be the the love of your life. Right. So it's very um, loosey goosey, I guess you could say. So if you, if you really want to go for it, the dating apps are the place to do, but also being out in public and interacting and putting your energy out there is equally as important. Hmm. Yeah, I I have found myself because I've just divorced and mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I'm ready just yet. Um but I did find something a bit disturbing in the dating world uh, mm-hmm. from my perspective being a 60 plus person or I'm not quite yet 60 but I'm kind of feeling I'm being pushed over the edge. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. most dating, most dating um 
events or whatever are up to 45 and that's it. So I don't know how many people in my audience are in over 48. What would you recommend um, to someone like me? Um, not to focus the whole conversation on me, but you know what I mean? It's, it's almost like it feels like the pauper parent, you know, the poor parent that's just like, okay, so now um, people assume that you're retired. Um, you, they assume that you're in a relationship. And if you're not, it's too late, basically. <laughs> it almost feels like that. <laughs> so, um, well, I specifically work with women who are over 40 and I've had tons of clients women who are in their 60s and 70s also <laughs> who are looking for love. So uh, I tell them this, it's different in the sense there's a, it's a funny paradox because when we get to over 40, we know ourselves more than ever. And I would say more so mostly than 20 year olds and 30 year olds. We have a, more of a sense of self, generally speaking. Yet there seems to be this interesting thing where there's more self-doubt the older we get because of cultural expectations and, you know, uh, aging and ageism and all of these types of things. So there's this underlying self-doubt and uncertainty that kind of grows as we get older. So there's an interesting uh, sort of conflict there. And so with, with the women dating at, at over 40, I would say lean into your sense of self. That's going to be your superpower. That is your, you know, secret weapon, so to speak, is you know yourself more than ever. It's just this creeping underlying self-doubt that is eating away at what you already know about yourself. So it's leaning into hey, I really know who I am. I've learned. I'm taking all my gems of wisdom from the years that I've had these kind of relationships and I'm going to bring it forward into this new uh, discovery process of dating. So you can go on the apps and you can um, you know, get very specific about what you're looking for in the same way that a 20-year-old or 30-year-old is doing. But you're much more selective. You're much more honed in. You're much more... Um, I don't know what the word is, focused on what you want. And you need to remember that. It's just that we sometimes forget that we have all of this power, this internal power and sense of self. And so I help women to lean into that and activate that in their heart and their intuition. And it brings them more confidence. So that that's not really a concrete tangible answer but it is really the answer that's going to bring you what you desire the most hmm. thank you for that um i obviously asked the right person <laughs> <laughs> um if we have time just to um, i'm aware of time we have about i suppose mm -hmm. 10 minutes left on the interview um mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you what, what, in your opinion, are the three biggest red flags when you're dating to keep people mm -hmm. safe? Because that's that's definitely a big, um, a passion of mine to keep people safe generally. Um, and then I have decided to interview you in January because Valentine's Day is coming. Uh, <laughs> oh, and, and I wanted to make sure, you know, we had the right conversation for people, whether they were going on a date, whether they were not, um, what what could you say to our audience 
perhaps yeah. the audience that's single and yeah. I might find Valentine's Day very triggering actually um yeah. you know just like people who've lost a loved one find Christmas very triggering there's times in the year when things become a little bit more salient and a little bit more mm -hmm. painful I suppose yes more emotionally charged yeah um so I'll answer the three biggest red flags first I talk a lot about this, actually. It's part of the process of what I help with. So the first thing I would say is a very big red flag is if you're talking to someone or, you know, setting up a date or you're on a date, the biggest thing to watch out for is inconsistency in their behavior. So their words don't match their actions and this type of thing. So for example, say you were chatting with someone and setting up, you know, you, you find that you have an interest together and they seem to be one certain way in their personality. So maybe they're very positive and outgoing, or, you know, they seem very upbeat and then you meet them and they're very morose and withdrawn. And, you know, so that sort of that up and down type of thing. Or maybe they say, um, oh, I love, you know, uh, going to coffee shops and doing X, Y, Z. And then you meet them in person and they're acting the exact opposite of what they had told you. So the inconsistency is really something to watch out for because it just points to uh, someone who either is not exactly authentic or they might have something going on where there's a lot of inconsistency, which is something to watch out for. So that's one big red flag. The second one is that you feel very uncertain or insecure around them more so than normal. And this doesn't matter what they're saying or how complimentary or how amazing they seem or wonderful and all the things they're saying to you. It's how you feel when you're around them. And again, it's not how you feel about them because sometimes we can be attracted to someone who is very much a, uh, you know, an unhealthy match to us. So you want to make sure you're like, how do I feel? Do I, why do I feel so insecure every time I talk to this person? Why do I feel like a teenager all of a sudden? Or I feel like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm coming or going. I don't know where I stand. I don't know. So it's this feeling of being very unstable and uncertain within your body. That's a huge red flag. I would say that that's probably the number one. And then the third is um, that say the person is very attentive to you, which sounds very weird and counterintuitive. But uh, if I give an example, so say you meet someone and they're like, oh, tell me all about you. And and you're like, OK, and you start telling your story and you, and then you say, well, what about you? And then they're like, oh, no, but I'm so interested in you. I just love everything about you. And tell me more about this and tell me more about that. And you find that you go home and you haven't found out a single thing about that person. This is a red flag because they, even though you feel like, oh, they really were attentive to me, they paid attention to me, they, you know, honored me, they were really into me. If it's to the extreme, they have pretty much deflected everything to you, which is a red flag. So those are the, the three things I would say to watch out for. They're really good ones as well, because the last one, 
it can be easily deceptive right you mm -hmm. think oh finally I met someone who's interested in me and you don't pay attention <laughs> yeah. to the fact that actually it's not so much that it's that they don't want you to focus on them or find yes. out anything about them exactly That's really yeah. really good yeah. yeah um and so the valentine's day part i would say if you are so if you're single with valentine's day approaching i would say going back to kind of the practices i talked about earlier is being present with yourself and asking yourself what would be most nourishing for me in other words what do I need in this approaching Valentine's Day or for Valentine's Day? What do I need? And spend some time reflecting and asking yourself. So it's, you know, you can either do a meditation or just close your eyes and put your hand on your heart um, or spend a couple of days beforehand reflecting, you know, what would feel good for me? What do I need at this point? So examples can be, do I feel the need or the urge to be out with friends having fun? Do I really just want to kick up my heels and say, let's just enjoy ourselves and be celebratory? Or do I want to be alone with my journal and really reflect on my desires for love or, you know, getting prepared for the coming year? What, it, what is it that I really would love to have in my life? So it's being re reflective. Or do I want to be physically active? Do I want to go on, maybe I go on a, a big walk or a hike or do something that's active in my body to really get, get the juices pumping and feel really good physically in my body? That's another thing that you can do. Or do I want to eat a lot of carbs and chocolate and enjoy every minute of it? Do I want to just um, soothe my body in that way? Do I want to have some pasta and chocolate and just be like watching, you know, uh, rom-coms there's that's mm. the indulgent thing you know there's nothing absolutely nothing wrong with that uh, the last thing could be you know maybe you want to make yourself a beautiful celebratory dinner so you know and um, like the self-love kind of um, side of it that's another example but deciding beforehand and taking the time to honor yourself on Valentine's Day in the way that you need it without any judgment. Because remember, it's the awareness and then the acceptance and then the connection. It's about knowing what you need to feel good or just even to process through the Valentine's Day. That was amazing, Eleanor. So oh, glad I invited you. you on the podcast. <laughs> um i so have you reminded me that i wanted to book myself a spa day on valentine mm -hmm. day so mm -hmm. and it's been on my yeah. mind it's been coming back i haven't done it yet so i'm definitely going to do that yeah um where yeah. can people find you eleanor i'd love for people if they've appreciated and, and love what you've shared i certainly mm -hmm. have um yes. so yeah so tell us where we can find you absolutely so my website is trulyeleanor.com and if you have been listening and you have an interest in starting to do some practical things around um, changing your patterns, say maybe you resonated with what I was saying around, um, you know, choosing the wrong person or just constantly having the same kind of experience over and over again. I have a, um, I call it the wrong guy detox challenge. It's not really gender focused. That's just what I've said, because I work mostly with women and 
heterosexual women, but basically it's about getting clarity. It's a workbook and there's some mindset things to go through. There's some journaling exercises and it's a very um, tangible, concrete way to get into that clarity and awareness of your patterns. And so you can get that at my website, trulyeleanor.com, the front homepage, you can sign up for that um, workbook. That sounds really good. And on what social platform are you are you active? I'm, I'm on Facebook as well as Truly Eleanor, and I do Insight Timer. So I do a lot of okay. yes, um, yes. live classes. I do meditations uh, with groups, and I have a lot of uh, courses and guided meditations that are very helpful for single people. And um, I'm on there every week. So there's tons of things that you can do on there, and that's insighttimer.com. Uh, I think it's forward slash truly Eleanor. So same, same thing everywhere on any platform. If you want to find me, it's truly Eleanor. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, it's been an absolute delight. And um, thank you for everyone for listening to the episode. Um, and we'll see you again next week. Bye for now. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the the true spirituality with Ange podcast i want you before you go if i could ask you to be kind enough to rate the podcast and write a review so that more people get to know about the podcast please also if possible share the episodes with people you think might be interested in listening to them especially if you've liked them a lot and um, understand that I'm also available to come and do um, expert talks um, to your communities, your memberships on either intuition in business, spirituality in business, mindset, um, energy, prosperity, and intuition. Thank you so much for listening.